Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series 2 of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach, trainer, consultant, and speaker. I work with corporate sales teams and leaders, along with startup business owners passionate about what they do, but wanting to up their sales game. My main mission is helping us all become more mindful of how we elevate our performance, perspective, and potential. If you want to know more, then look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Hatfield, always happy to chat. So if you're new to Not Another Sales Podcast, here's what to expect. It's aimed at giving you insights into how you can be successful within the world of sales, whether that's your career or your own business. We go deeper into the thought process and mindset needed for success when selling and when running a business, not just the skills and output. So if you're looking for a podcast with a difference that starts with the mind in mind, this is for you. So enough about me, let's get started. On today's episode, I'm joined by three times LinkedIn top voice and content marketeer at 500 Startups, Natalie Riso. Natalie and I are going to be talking all about developing your personal brand, what personal brand means to her, why it's so important within this day and age that we focus on that, tips for people that might be more introverted on how they can develop their personal brand in a crowded and competitive marketplace, and how we can become more mindful of it as well with our mental health around what we're doing and what we're displaying to the outside world. So if you're listening to this, and this probably applies to everyone, and wanting to develop your personal brand or get a better understanding of what it means and how it can help you, then this episode is for you. So sit back and enjoy. Natalie, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Chris? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Really excited to have you on Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm happy to be here, man. Great, great. And for people tuning in, Natalie, first of all, who aren't too familiar with who you are, it'd be great to give them a bit of context and a a story of what makes you you. Absolutely. Um, So I, like you said, Natalie Riso, I started creating content on LinkedIn in 2015. Um, Since then, I've had the pleasure of being a LinkedIn campus editor. I've won three LinkedIn top voice awards. And what I currently do is I still create LinkedIn content all around sort of Gen Z, female entrepreneurship, social impact. Um, And now it's really kind of turned into what I do as a career as well. Um, So I do LinkedIn consulting as well as run um, social and editorial strategy at a company called Studio 71. Um, And then on top of all of that, um, I also run events under a name called Impact Mentality, um, where basically we do events that are at the intersection between topics like mental health and environmental sustainability and corporate culture. Great. So just a couple of things then. Yeah, just, (laughs) yeah, I never, um, I never sleep. Um, No, (laughs) I think, um, especially with the Impact Mentality stuff, when we started doing um, more events around mental health. I had a h- couple of friends who were like, okay, you're talking about mental health. You're definitely gonna have to practice what you preach. So um, we do a couple of things, but it's all in good fun and we make sure we have balance. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, when, when we spoke, I mean, that, that in itself probably could be a whole podcast episode because there was a few things we talked about, but one of the things, and you mentioned there a lot of the times around LinkedIn and this presence now that we have on the online world is that we're no longer hearing just about businesses brands but our own personal brands and how important they can be and there's some different ways in which people look at it but first of all it'd be great to get your perspective on what does personal brand mean to you 
Yeah, I think at, at first that name got really popular um, when I was in college and when Gary Vee kind of became really big. Yeah. Um, and so my perception of it when I first got into it was like personal brands are like this hyper masculine, like aggressive, you're in people's faces <laughs> and like this very intense thing. Um, and a lot of it was around content. Right. Um, and it was interesting because when I first started creating content, I didn't view it as like a personal brand thing. I just viewed it as like, I wanted to talk about these things. So I put mm -hmm. it on the internet. Um, but what I really kind of found was personal brand kind of boiled down to two different things. One, it was what people knew you for. So I was giving a talk at a LinkedIn local, actually like a couple weeks ago. Um, and we were basically describing like what you want to be known for. So like, what do people say about you when you're not in the room? And a lot of that kind of helps define what your current personal brand is. Um, but then kind of going forward in terms of like the nitty gritty of it, I also found that it wasn't just the content, but also what events you speak at or where you're attending or who you surround yourself with, who, um, you, sort of brand yourself with in terms of who are your professional friends and whatnot. So personal brand was so much more than just, Hey, I'm going to make a post, but really like, who did I want to be holistically known as, um, both kind of personally, you can talk about that with among your friend group, but really kind of professionally, what do I want to be, you know, what were those keywords that I wanted people to know me by? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talked about there as well, around mental health, I, I was thinking about this, um, since we've spoken and, I saw a post by Quinton Allums who talked a lot around personal brand and sometimes it's people just need to be working on themselves rather than their personal brand. And that will be the, the counter product of it. But also I sort of thought about it shouldn't just be about how you want others to see yourself. It's how you want to see yourself as well. Like work on 100%. How, how you see yourself and not just, for example, what others are saying when you're outside of the room, but what are you saying to yourself when no one else is in the room? Yeah, and I think they're correlated, right? Like, yeah. I think when you think about what people are saying about you, like I said, it's very much your current perceptions by people. Mm. Um, I think what you kind of tell yourself is more what you want the future to look like um, and what you want to be known for that maybe you're not being known for right now, um, which definitely helps change. I've de I've done a lot of work um, with actually MBA students uh, and helping their LinkedIn's. and. MBA students, like the key to understanding what they're doing is they're trying to pivot that perception. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to bump up very drastically. And so a lot of them, especially around what it means to create personal branding content, get very confused because they're like, well, everybody knows me for this. So like, how do I push that? And I was like, you just kind of go for it. Yeah. Um, but you have to recognize, just like you said, you kind of have to recognize to yourself what you want that going for it to look like um and what you want to be perceived as mm. and what are some of the things you think people should focus on when they think about personal brand then outside the content arena to to be mindful of it yeah i mean I, like i said events are a really big part of it um i know for introverts that sounds terrifying <laughs> um and i'm somebody who views myself as an introvert so like i when i first started going to events i like forced myself to go to events I had a goal of like one event a week my entire like freshman year of college because I just hated them. Um, and I knew if I went to enough of them, it wouldn't be scary anymore. So 
I think events are a part of it in terms of who you're trying to network with and who you surround yourself by. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's definitely one part of it. Um, outside of the content as well, I think it really comes down to also like what you do, but what you choose to highlight in what you do. Um, so how do you introduce yourself? How do you talk about the certain things that you do? A great example is like with Impact Mentality, I really focus on like the subjects when I describe what I do. Um, I'm not necessarily like, oh, and we have these types of dinners and we do this and we do that. I'm very kind of mission driven with it. And I hope that that is conveyed in how I describe what I do. Um, So I think it's a little bit of kind of everything that's public facing. But like you said, it's also how do you view those items that really make up who you are? Yeah. And and on that there, you mentioned you you view yourself as an introvert. And are there any other tips that you've, you've got for people listening to this, whether it's networking online, offline, or, or what's worked for you to help you, you know, build, build a community and, and get out there really? Yeah. I mean, I think with building community, that's been a little bit difficult in the beginning, just because you do have to talk to people, right? Like you can't yeah. <laughs> build a community and not talk to people. Um, so I I used to struggle with social anxiety back when I was like in high school. I was like such a classic, like nerdy high school kid um, of like the glasses and the frizzy hair and like scared to talk to people. Um, so I, like I said, I, I forced myself to go to networking events. Um, but I think the other thing too was understanding that especially at your classic like general assembly type networking events, like everyone's there because they need something. Mm-hmm. Like no one's gonna, I mean, some people may just go because they're like interested. Um, but for the most part, people are there because they're looking for something just like you are. So understanding you're in the same boat as everybody else is really nice. Um, and I remember too, when I first started going, obviously I was a freshman in college and I was going to these general assemblies and WeWorks and people were like, that's cute. Like, it, it was admirable that I was going, but no one really knew what to do with me. Um, and I think a lot of introverts feel that even if they do, you know, have full-fledged careers and can give so much value. It wasn't until I really understood, okay, what's the value proposition I can give that I got a little bit less nervous when I talked to people and I got a little bit less um sort of nervous about the perceptions of my age and what I was coming into. Um, So I think understanding the value, obviously practice, um, but then also understanding everybody's kind of in the same boat. So you shouldn't really be nervous in terms of like having to win people over. Yeah, definitely. And I think probably what's helped you, because I consider myself as a bit of an introvert issue when I came out of university and school was consistency is just consistently putting yourself out there. If you do something, and it's a little bit scary and it doesn't go quite right don't leave it because the longer you leave it the longer mm-hmm. it festers and that the spotlight effect becomes in our brain it magnifies this risk and it magnifies this one networking event that then becomes every networking event you've ever done even if you've only been to one and it's about yep. consistently putting yourself out there and I you know I hear it a lot from guests I was speaking to Brittany as, as you know as well Brittany Crystal uh, about this yeah. and she's talked about it on my podcast as well is that just consistently showing up and whatever you're doing linking it back to personal brand as well whether it's content whether it's events just constantly putting yourself out there and becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. 100% um, I think resiliency is a huge asset to 
build up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and resiliency can be done in so many different ways, right? Um, resiliency, you know, against sort of the professional failures you've had, but also when it comes to this stuff. And what I like about Brittany and Brittany and I have talked about this, um, especially around her podcast, because I, I was talking to her about when she decided to really start her podcast. And she was like, I'm not going to start it unless I can do one every single week. Mm. And like having those personal goals. Um, like I said, when I was a freshman, I went to at least one networking event every single week. And that was like my professional goal. Um, I think that really helps in terms of saying, okay, over this span of time, I'm going to do something this many times. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's networking events or it's commenting for an hour a day for a month. Or, you know, any sort of thing when it comes to reaching out to people and getting more comfortable with it. I think that also helps with the consistency because then, too, you want to finish that goal for yourself. Um, And you're less likely to do the whole one and done situation. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you say as well, having those clear goals from the start, it stops it becoming this overawing, particularly from an introvert point of view, thinking, oh, God, where do I start? Like, there's so many things. I could do, I'm listening to all these people online and offline about personal brand. But if you just say, for example, there, I'm just going to attend one networking event a week, or I'm just going to, you know, share one bit of content or write an article once a week, whatever it might be, like just start small, like keep breaking the bricks down until you feel like you can pick one up and and do something with it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's in the beginning what helped me, but it also helps me today. Like I still set those goals of like how much I interact and whatnot. So I think it's also a skill that is very transferable, no matter kind of where you are in the journey of creating your personal brand. Mm. So say, for example, once you, you're on that journey and you've, you've started becoming more consistent with creating content and putting yourself out there, going to events and building your personal brand, what what's worked for you on making sure you're mindful that you're, you're matching those expectations of what you've looked to achieve from the start and what you want? others to perceive you as how do you sense check that so about once a quarter um i actually kind of do like a personal brand audit um in terms of what people know me as like what types of events i'm going to what type of content i'm pushing out but really i boil it down to like what's my why am i still going after my why Mm. um and i think i'm very like I said before, I'm very mission driven. I'm very kind of why driven. Um, so even when I graduated college, because when I graduated, I was the most followed student on LinkedIn and people knew me as that. Like people knew me as like very pro education, talks about being a student a lot, talks about the advantages, the disadvantages, um, talks about sort of early on in her career, that kind of stuff. When I graduated, I was like, well, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Um, I can't claim to be the most followed student. I'm not a student anymore. Um, And that was probably the biggest um, transition and why I started looking at my personal brand on sort of a quarterly basis. Um, Because I sat down and I had to go through all of my articles and all of my posts. And I was like, what are like these key things that I want to talk about? Um, beyond just being a student. So like a lot of times I would write articles just because I felt really passionate about it in that one moment. So I would write something up. 
sounded good and I'd publish it. Right. Um, so I tried to look back at that and really kind of dissect like, what were those topics? Um, am I still very passionate about them? Did I feel like they made a difference for people? Do I feel like they achieved my goals? So my goals yeah. have also changed. Um, so I think it's really kind of the mix of the why and the goals because back then I was just trying to get a job. So you know, some articles did better for that than others. And now it's completely different. Now I want to help build more community around certain topics and I want more side projects and collaborations and stuff like that. So I think on a quarterly basis, I kind of sit down, write, literally like write those out, like on a piece of paper um, and kind of reevaluate, am I still doing what I want to be doing and accomplishing what I, what I think I need to be accomplishing right now? Um, so that really helps. A lot of that is also sort of me sitting down and being very frank with myself and not being afraid of being frank with myself about where I currently am. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, um, they, I see this a lot with LinkedIn where they maybe about a year ago started creating content. And then today they'll like sit on panels about LinkedIn. And I'm like, you haven't created a piece of content in like six months. Like, why are you, why are you still doing this? Like, <laughs> like not that you don't know the platform anymore, but I'm just curious, like why you still want to be pushing this message, even if you're not actually doing it. Um, and I think a lot of them, kind of have told themselves that like, this is what I am. So I'm just going to like, keep going with it. Um, I'm a bit more frank with myself of like, if I haven't done it in a while, like let's focus on the actual action before I go onto the panels and before I do all these things and be very frank with myself about where I currently am. Um, So I think having that routine has really helped. Yeah. And I think another, another point there as well, if someone hasn't, you know, shared a bit of content around there or talked about it or been involved in it for six months is that because we went, we initially spoke, you, you've been on LinkedIn, for a while now you, you've seen it evolve and even in the last six to 12 months it's done so so but even by sort of you know leaving that period of time you're almost giving people outdated advice and information and therefore they're going out and practicing something that really isn't going to benefit them really yeah um and i with every social media platform you really have to stay current with it because it changes all the time um And even when I first started, you know, I talked about my articles, like people don't really write articles anymore. That's like when I first started, that was really popular. Now people are doing videos and um, posts and photos and stuff like that. And so staying up to date, I think, is really important in terms of different mediums. But I think that's why um, the why part is really important, like why you do certain things. Um, because you can translate that to any medium that's popular. That doesn't necessarily change. Um, so I think really having an understanding of that helps in terms of not feeling lost in what I need to create next. Yeah. And then I think once you've got that as well, it's good to then sense check and go through what your audience is saying and what the feedback you're getting and think, is this aligned like the comments and the the messages you get and the connections you get and think, is this aligned to where, where I want to go? Like the types of people looking to connect to me, am I putting that, that message out there is a good indicator of that. And uh, I speak to, I spoke to Richard more about this is, is constantly like seeking feedback from the community. And like you say, adding it to your why to make sure they're both aligned. Yeah. And figuring out, I think too, if that is, if you, I think that helps a lot with the goals, right? Like Mm. if you want to create a certain kind of community, that's where you go in the comments and are like, okay, what is, what am I creating here? (laughs) Like, what am I doing? Uh, What kind of people am I attracting? 
Um, and like, I, I have that all the time, good and bad. Um, but Richard's so right about that. And he's such a great person to talk to about like creating community. Um, I think there's very few people that kind of create it like he does. Um, but yeah, I think definitely kind of looking at both. I think a lot of people get lost in the vanity metrics of like Mm -hmm. how many likes and how many comments. And I'm like, you got to understand as well, though, like what you're actually creating. Like if it's 700 comments that don't mean anything, it's not going to matter. And that helps too, in terms of, especially for people who have like businesses and they're trying to actually like transact and have business opportunities. That's where that really comes into play of like, at the end of the day, the content might be great, but if no one knows what you actually do, you're not going to get those business opportunities. Mm. And I was really intrigued when we first spoke because you you mentioned around LinkedIn and, and what's changed over time. It would be good to understand what, what you've perceived maybe even in the last sort of 12, 18 months of what's changed, as you mentioned, the types of format of content's changed and also maybe what you perceive might change in the future or, or continue to do so. Yeah, I think in the last, I mean, man, LinkedIn has changed a lot in the past like two years, like very fast. Um, Because video is, I think, two years old now, like almost two years. Um, And that drastically changed behavior on LinkedIn. Um, cause you had so many important people who came onto the platform as like creators and that like was not a thing beforehand. <laughs> um, no one viewed LinkedIn as a content creation platform. So I think that that, you know, that was kind of the big pivoting moment where then LinkedIn came out with so many different features. Um, there was a moment, I want to say six months ago where PDFs were really popular and now they've kind of gone down. Um, and I like the idea of PDFs, but I can see why PDFs are a lot of information and people tend to read at a third grade level and have an attention span of a squirrel. Like it's (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day, um, I was talking to Yuval Rector about this, um, but you have to capture, capture people's attention within the first three seconds. Um, so I think that's why video, um, does really well. And I think will continue to do really well. Um, you know, for me, my highest performing for the last 12 months has been me creating a post with some sort of image, um, just a static image. I'm not necessarily a huge video person. And even when I have done video, it hasn't actually done as well as when I just do sort of an image and a recap. Um, I think personal stories will always be really popular on the platform. Um, that's something that has been consistent, um, and then I think live video is interesting. It's very popular right now. Um, it's we don't have it yet. Only... You've got it over there. Well, we haven't got it over here yet. <laughs> really? We yeah. Well, I think it's very popular among the people who have it. Like it's being pushed out a lot by LinkedIn. I am somewhat bearish on it, if I'm honest. Um, while I think it'll be great for certain instances, I don't think it's going to be something that a lot of people do and in general, people check LinkedIn every two weeks. Like that's sort of like the stat. Um, And even then, if people have started to check it more recently, it's probably LinkedIn's checked once a week by the average user, right? Um, So I think LinkedIn Live is a great in concept, but not necessarily great in terms of the actual consumer behavior that happens on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can definitely see how there's a couple things that are kind of 
in my opinion, a bit of like LinkedIn fads. And I think that's kind of been the theme for the past 12 months of like all these different types of mediums popping up and then kind of declining rather quickly, almost as quickly as they popped up. Um, But I think that video, um, personal stories, and I think that there is really room, um, even though there already is a lot of this on LinkedIn, but I think it's only going to massively grow, especially within the next six to 12 months of really high quality video production. Um, I know Quentin's great at this. Um, Sam Lister, who's also out in the Midwest, um, is also great at this. But I think that that's kind of where the platform is going um, in terms of people being more hungry for that type of content. I also saw, I forget his name, but there was a piece of content that was a round table that was very well produced. Um, and I, I saw that and I was like, that's going to be big. That's a really, really good idea um, in terms of getting people in person and doing. Um, it was almost like if you've ever seen the round tables at Variety that they do with actors and actresses, it was kind of very similar to that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can definitely see that kind of growing in terms of people doing more collaborations, but more high quality video production side um, and really making it more focused on um, like the topics at hand versus, hey, I'm going to shoot a video because we're at an event and I want to make sure I capture this. I think that'll still be there, but I think the other part's going to grow. Yeah. Great. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And what do you think during your time, not just in the last four years, but overall, Natalie, that you've, you've learned most about yourself year to date? I think for me, it's been that I I shouldn't force myself to create content that everybody else is creating. Um, there, because LinkedIn is so young in sort of the content creation space and personal branding space. Like, I mean, I think even Gary Vaynerchuk has just started to talk about it in the last two years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people, it's still like very wild west. So a lot of people have done things because they're like, oh, that person did it. So I need to do it this way. Or like Broetry got really big on the platform a couple of years ago. Um, and then everybody started doing Broetry. Um, obviously, you still have trends on certain content platforms. Um, but I think for me personally, I found myself trying to create content because I was like, oh my God, but this thing's popping up, but this thing's popping off. So I need to do it like this. And then I need to create content around this subject or that subject. And it wasn't really until I got really started with impact mentality on top of my full-time job that my time constraints were intense, (laughs) like really intense where I couldn't, I didn't have all this time to just create every single piece of content that I had ever seen. Right. Um, and that's where I think for me, I realized it was so much more fulfilling to create content around topics that I genuinely cared about. And I felt like we're creating not only community, because a lot of people talk about community, um, but community in the sense that like it was pushing the needle forward for a lot of people who maybe were underrepresented or were having a hard time or were not necessarily seen something so that's you know now I'm about entrepreneurship a lot about health diverse stuff like that um part of that I think also came from me having somewhat of a bigger following because I'm able to explore those topics a bit more um but I think for me I just found that 
creating content for the sake of creating content isn't fulfilling. Um, mm -hmm. It's really when you're able to align it with your business goals, but with those things that you really care about and you wish were kind of more prevalent in the world. Yeah. And you've mentioned, we've mentioned a few times actually around mindfulness and mental health. And there's a big piece there as well as to why I sometimes feel like they, people should feel like they need to create what everyone else is creating. Because of course the, the rise of social has made us become impacted in a different way in terms of how our mental health is impacted and the issues that may arise from that. So what advice or what advice have you given to people with who are on this online world to, to help them be more mindful with their, their mental health uh, when they're, for example, looking at everyone else and what they're doing and maybe sort of comparing themselves to them or being overawed by it or being a bit paralyzed at where to start with it? Yeah, I mean, one is empathy. Um, understanding that everybody had a start, that everybody's content was crap at one time. <laughs> like there are plenty of articles that I could pull out. Um, maybe this will be my next post, just like pulling out my worst article from my past, <laughs> being like, trust me, we all start from somewhere. <laughs> um, so I think there's that. I think also um, for me, it's actually been surrounding myself with people who were who shared the same values as me and who were very understanding of where I was coming from. Um, I was talking to Adrian Lauderdale, I think he's how you pronounce his last name. Um, but he's a campus editor. And I was talking to him yesterday and I was like, man, don't you have such respect for kids who are trying to make a name for themselves? And he was like, yes, because I can relate to that. Um, and I think that that's been a common thread throughout my content is creating content that people could relate to. Um, because then you don't necessarily have to worry about like, oh, but it's not as nice of a photo or it's not as nice of a video. Like that stuff will get better. But if you're able to connect with people, that's that's the hard part, right? Like that's mm. the part that people really struggle with because they're so concerned and making it look nice or making it, um, especially in the beginning, making it so. Like they're so impatient about it that I'm like, you just got to learn to connect with people and understand how to do that through writing or whatever you find to be your best medium, like go for it. Um, and so I think being mindful of that, being mindful of how the reader is going to perceive it um, really helps break down and kind of get you out of your own head of like, well, I need to do it because this person did it and all that like FOMO and comparison. Um, and then secondly, I think, and this is something that took me a while to get to terms with and is much easier said than done. Um, really getting over my imposter syndrome of like, oh, I shouldn't be creating this content because I don't have a big career. Like I'm the, po I should be the poster child of like, I was an intern for the majority of the time that I created LinkedIn content. And I was looking and preparing myself against people who had full, like formed careers and had been in their industries for like five to 10 years. And I'm like a college student getting my bachelor's degree, interning at like variety. Like I just didn't think I was like worth creating content at one point. And I created a post about it recently. Um, but people just play completely different games here. Like there was no point in me comparing myself against the attorney on LinkedIn. Like I'm not in law. Like why was I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> this made no sense. Um, but I felt like I had to because of the societal pressure. And I think just understanding, like, we're playing very different games here. Like, there's no need for us to compare ourselves. 
Um, and really honing in on this idea of like, just in the first, when you're first starting, just go for empathy, like just go for those stories that people can relate to. You can work on, you know, having the nicer produced content and selling more and all that good stuff. But you first just got to establish that connection before you can do any, anything else really. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Well, Natalie, it's been a real pleasure today. Thank you very much for your, your stories and your insights. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks. It's been awesome to be on here. You ask incredible questions. Thank you. Thank you. And for people uh, who want to keep up to date with some of the stuff you talked about, how can they find you if they're not already connected or following you already? Yeah. So you can follow me on my LinkedIn. So Natalie Riso. Um, You can also check out Impact Mentality at impactmentality.co. And those are the main two places to find me. Um, You can also check out my website, which is natalieriso.com. Perfect. Well, Natalie, thank you again. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Hey, people. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to find out more and connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Hatfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, or on my website, www.notanothersalesguy.com. That's www notanothersalesguy.com stay tuned in future for some courses and free content on there as well but for now have a good one and i'll catch you soon